Well, if you were here last week, you uh, heard a message where we, uh, Pastor Pete, Uh, gave us a theme that we have actually used here for a long period of time. And we pray it over children when they're dedicated. We uh, pray it over individuals who are being commissioned or being called. Uh, we, We just, we pray it over people because we believe in this. And that is this, we ask God to have people's character go before, run ahead of their giftedness. Meaning we believe that there's something more significant about your character, what God is doing in here, than just the abilities or the giftedness that someone has. And there's a difference between having a natural ability, a talent, and having a spiritual gift. And we'll go through some of those gifts today. So there is a difference between that. But we all know of people whose talents or giftedness, their character did not run ahead of it. And if you've been watching the Olympics, you know that there's a lot of athletes that you've seen break records and do different things, but every now and then you'll hear the story of someone who they found out was using, you know, enhancements or taking drugs that they're not supposed to take in order to make themselves better. And they might have gotten a world record, they might have, uh, you know, won a bunch of medals or received trophies for different things, but when you find that out... All of those things are kind of taken away. What they've accomplished doesn't matter. It doesn't make the impact because their character did not run ahead of their giftedness. And and that is true in the church as well. That is true of our giftedness. And we'll get into this in a little bit. But I don't know about you. I've been catching up with the Olympics with my wife. Uh, I say catching up because I don't watch hardly anything live anymore, right? It's all recorded. So whenever I want to watch a particular sport, I've got it recorded somewhere and I can find that sport and watch it. But so we've enjoyed uh, watching some of it together. Some of it I've enjoyed just watching uh, on my own. And uh, it... The one thing about the Olympics is uh, there's this like pride that kind of comes and and you hear the chants, right? You don't hear them as often because they don't have all of the people there at the events. But whenever uh, a U.S. Olympian wins or receives the gold or silver, bronze, whatever, uh, whenever that happens, there's something in us that kind of wells up and we're like, USA, USA, right? we're cheering them on because we feel like what they've done, it, it, it's good for us, right? They represent who we are as a nation and we're all, you know, I mean, I even look at the stats, right? Because every day they're updating like, the, well, the USA has this many gold and China has this. And you're like, okay, all right. So we, we like it when we're a little bit better than others. But we, we, and for some reason I was thinking this week, like, but why do I feel like, I have pride over this. I don't know about you guys, but I don't get up at 4.30 every morning to do gymnastics, clearly. And uh, I I haven't run up and down the sides of mountains. I don't do marathons every other week. Uh, You know, I I don't jump hurdles in my backyard. Like, I'm not doing any of the things that these athletes are doing in order to receive the gold. I'm sitting on my couch having Doritos watching them, right? So... Why do I have this sense of pride when I'm not doing any of these things myself? But it, when we see the U.S. being represented and we are a part of U.S., we, we do feel this connection. Like what they're doing is a benefit. It, it, it wells up in us. You know, we find ourselves, you know, when the U.S. wins and, and I go, take that, Ghana, you know, like, you know, or... Albania, you wish you were us, you know, and I've been to Albania and I 
think many of them do wish they were us. But there, there is something in us that, uh, that we feel like we're a part of something bigger. And, and so when the Olympics come every four, now five years, when, the, when they come about, we kind of feel that national pride and we're all in this together. But that is not, that is not like anything else that we do in our culture. We are a me culture. We are all about individualism and what I am doing and what attention that I get. This idea that there is some greater benefit is not how we function every day. Those of you who are young adults, you might have those snap, your Snapchat, your TikTok, your YouTube channel, and you're doing things and you're trying to get the attention of, of uh, individuals who might sponsor your channel and you're hoping that that will happen and you have a friend who does something really simple and they get sponsored, they get more likes than you do and they're getting their college paid for because they're doing stupid things on YouTube and you're like, you, you, you don't celebrate, you're not on your couch going, yeah, yes, no, you're like, well, you start to question their character and the content they're putting out, well, I know why she's getting all the attention, right? You, it's not about us anymore. It's all about, oh, I wish that were me. Somebody else is getting the attention. Uh, employees, it happens, right? Uh, somebody gets promoted. Somebody gets the award for something that you've been doing for 20 years. But, you know, they get the award and uh, maybe they get a promotion and they're a peer of yours and... You know, they tell you, hey, there's, there's cake in the cafe for Susie. And you're like, hope she chokes on it. Um, you know, it, there's a part of us that we don't like, yay, Susie, she got what I didn't get. No, that's not a part of our culture. Those of you who are stay-at-home parents, right? We, we have different criteria for the kids too. You know, well, my, you know, my kid walked at three months old and speaks three languages at age two. You know, we have this criteria. And you're not like, oh, that's awesome. You're thinking, I hope they live with you for 35 years. Um, it's an individualistic me culture that we're in, but I don't believe that that's just our culture. I think that's a part of our human nature. And we see this even in Paul's letter to the church. There was an issue in the church a problem where the church body that should have been functioning together as one, they were different from each other. Some thought they were better than others. Some were fighting for their own rights to do what they wanted to do. And so Paul, Paul writes to this church and he tries to correct them and say, listen, this isn't about the me culture, this is about us. And so in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says this, we know this because a couple of chapters before we get to 12, he says this, I, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. This is not about you, this is about others. So just because you have the right to do something, just because you have the freedom to do something, doesn't mean that you should do it at the expense of how it affects others, Paul says. Be careful, because this isn't about you, it's about us. He, then he says a few verses later, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether it's Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, that is believers, Christians, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but Paul says it's the 
the good of many so that they may be saved. Paul says, listen, I know what I believe and I'm a part of the church, but just because I'm part of the church doesn't mean I understand the other cultures that live around me, the other religions, that I don't value who those individuals are. I try to understand that my behavior affects them and really I wanna live in such a way that they are attracted to Jesus in me, that they might be saved. So I'm not gonna push my agenda on them I'm going to get to know them. I'm going to get to understand them because I want them to understand who Jesus is and eventually come to know Christ. So this early church, we can see even in a couple of different spots, this early church was struggling with this me and us, you know, kind of agenda, me and we, right? And, uh, and so Paul has another message to the church because it had to do with this giftedness. Last week, Pete told us that every believer is gifted that the Holy Spirit fills us, gives us gifts. We'll see this in a minute. But uh, Paul is saying, listen, in the church, some of you, you've got your preachers, you've got your apostles, you have people who are standing up and speaking in tongues, you have people who are healing, and individuals within the church, the congregation, are going, oh, those are rock stars because they're public and they're up in front. And they're feeling marginalized and that some people are more spiritual than others. And Paul wants to take the church and step back a little bit and go, wait a second. I don't think you guys are understanding this. There is something that God is doing for us. And it's all of us. So he says in chapter 12, beginning with verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now to each one. That is every follower of Jesus, every person who confesses their sins, invites Jesus to come into their life, receives the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, the blood that covers their sins, and they become followers and make him Lord of their life. Every one of those individuals is filled with his spirit and is given a gift, a manifestation of the spirit. We'll get to that in a moment. But it's this idea that there isn't one person who's better than another or one person who has a gift and others in the church who don't. Each one gets a gift. And that reminded me of something that happened years ago that kind of changed network television or at least chat uh, television. Um, and I just want you to take a look at this. Okay, right now, right now, everybody in the audience, now listen to me carefully is being given a special package, and I don't want you to open it. Do not shake it, do not open, do not open. Take the box and hold it in your lap. Do not open. And now here's the deal, listen carefully. Inside one of these boxes is a key. Do not open it yet. If your box has a key, you will be the last person today to get one of those cute little G6s, okay? Who will it be? Are you ready? Hold on. Are you ready? JR is back in our audio booth. I want, you know, JR, this calls for a drum roll. Cue the drum roll. All right, open your boxes. Open your boxes. One, two, three. Everybody gets a 
everyone, everybody gets one. When I was reading this passage, oftentimes we picture like the Apostle Paul or the early apostles kind of sitting quietly, maybe at a desk somewhere and writing these words or, or sharing these words while a scribe writes them down. But when I read this passage and came across that, I couldn't help but wonder if Paul wasn't getting this excited. The, the early church that didn't know that the Holy Spirit gifted every single one in the church. I, I was picturing Paul going before the church in Corinth and going, you get a gift and you get a gift and you get a gift and you get a gift, right? Yeah, I don't know if Paul was doing the woo, but he was excited because it's way more significant than getting a car. This is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, coming upon every believer and gifting you in such a powerful way that it is manifested publicly, that everyone gets to see God's gift in you. And that's what Paul says. He says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. And why does God want to reveal it through his church? It's for the common good, or the word literally means the benefit of all, the benefit of the church. Now, You didn't come prepared to do this, but I just want to remind us and keep us excited about this. So I want you to turn to those around you and just let them know, remind them, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift. (laughs) You guys were maybe a little more excited than first hour, but... I don't know that you get the excitement of all of this, but what Paul is telling us here is we don't get a gift that is revealed. So the word manifestation means to to reveal publicly that when you and I exercise the gift that God has given us, other people see Christ, they see the Holy Spirit at work in us. It's It's an affirmation, it's a confirmation. But at the same time, others get to experience that too. They get to see that gift in action, and it's a part of us. It's not USA, it's US. It's us. It's the church, it's the body at work. And there's beautiful things that happen from it. It is for the common good. It's not so that we can be rock stars, it's not so that some can be better than others. Every gift, or everyone gets a gift. If if there's nothing else you remember, I hope it's this. Each one is for everyone. Each one of us gets a gift, and it's for everyone. It's for the benefit of the whole church. Now, Paul wants to kind of give us an idea of, well, what do some of those gifts look like? Well, how does that play out in the church? And so he gives us here in this passage, he gives us nine different gifts that he lists. So let me quickly go through these. There's... To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Sophia means, um, well, we, we interpret the word wisdom, but it's, it refers to an understanding of God's word and an understanding of the world in which you're living. It's the culture. And understanding, bringing those two together so that the church has an understanding of what does it look like to live out your holy, to live out holiness in this world. What does that look like? What is the wisdom of that? And oftentimes we see people with the gift of wisdom who sit in in places of leadership where decisions are made and there's direction given for the life of the church. 
in order that we might understand how best to live out a holy lifestyle. You'll see this in, in, in pastors and, as I said, elders in different leadership positions. To some, it's given the message of knowledge, and it's closely related to wisdom, but it's a, a knowledge that is rooted in Scripture and the ability to be able to communicate that and teach that. Here's what God's Word says. And it can be done at many different age levels, one-on-one, -on -one, in small groups, from a platform, in a children's classroom, whatever that might be, that there is an understanding of God's Word and how to communicate that to others. Then there's the gift of faith. And you'd say, well, don't we all have some level of faith? I'd say yes. But there are those unique situations where you need someone in the room who can remind others in the midst of chaos, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of turmoil and difficulty, someone who goes, let me remind you of who God is, what he has done, what we believe he's going to do. And they're, they're in a, a place of perhaps leadership or a place where the, the, the philosophy, the direction of where things are moving might feel negative, but everybody turns and goes in a different direction. I know this, David, not being filled with the Holy Spirit, but there's a story in the Old Testament that is like this, that I've seen this at work, where the entire nation of Israel, right, doesn't want to fight Goliath, and Saul doesn't want to fight Goliath, and everyone's afraid of this Goliath, and David shows up, and here's a man of faith who says, well, it's, we're not fighting Goliath. It's the Lord who's fighting Goliath. I'll go throw a few rocks at him, and he does, and they defeat Goliath, they defeat um, the Philistines, and it's because David had this understanding and this belief, this faith that God was going to be there through it. And we see this expressed in different gifts, different individuals within the church. And then there's a gift of healing, and this is a very intimate one. It reveals the compassion of God for others, his love for others. We know that Jesus is the great physician, the great healer, and during his ministry, he healed many people. And he cast out demons. He brought wholeness to lives physically. And we see this at work even in the church. And there are individuals who have the gift of healing. And oftentimes it's connected to his salvific work or bringing people to know Christ. And I've seen this overseas in places where people who aren't believers in God uh, get prayed for. They get healed. And because of that healing, they come to believe and to follow Jesus Christ. And you see that in the New Testament. So I'm not saying that's the only time, but there, there is something about that gift of healing. And there are those who uh, have a gift of healing, but that doesn't mean that every person that they pray over uh, gets healed. Uh, this, this is a part of God's will, but there's something about that giftedness that the Holy Spirit gives to individuals. And closely related is uh, to another, it's miraculous powers or, you know, to, to, to pray or to have God move in powerful ways that brings awe and fear uh, sometimes to a community or to a church where people who are perhaps unbelievers see the work of God. Maybe they've never heard the gospel before in their life, but they see the power of God at work and they're like, wow, whatever God that is, I want to follow that God. That's the gift of miraculous powers. To another, it's prophecy. And it's not just, I mean, when we hear the word prophecy, we think about, you know, just fortune tellers or something, but that's not what this is. It's to hear a divinely inspired message from God. 
that God gives people a vision or gives them a specific word. And it might be for another person. It might be for the body itself that is the church. These messages can take the form of exhortation and bring correction, disclose secret sins, predict some events or what God wants to do in the future to comfort, inspire, give revelation. So it's, it's a it's a gift that God gives to individuals where they hear the revelation from God. I've had people speak uh, prophecy prophetically into my life and uh, people that I barely knew who said, uh, hey, God gave this to me. And they, they always ask for affirmation, confirmation, like, am I telling you something that is not of God? But they, they have just spoken words of encouragement and direction into my life, which has helped me to move in a certain direction. And it's because of people using this gift of prophecy. There's the distinguishing between spirits. And what that is, is uh, it's discernment to know truth and false teachings or the spirit of the devil and what God is trying to teach us. So I know Paul uses this word spirits and there are two different spirits at work in our world. And so there are individuals who can understand uh, God reveals to them and they're able to articulate, this sounds good, but this is not of God. This looks good, but this is not of God. This, this is of God. And so they have, God gives them that gift that they can distinguish and they can understand and help the church to know what is false and what is true. There's the gift of tongues and the word glossolalia means tongue or language. And so there are many different ways that we see that listed in scripture. I'm not going to go through all of that, but for some it's, a, it's an angelic utterance. For others, it's the ability to communicate the gospel in another language, maybe one that they themselves have never even learned. But you see this when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples uh, at Pentecost and they go out into the streets and they begin to preach and there's people from all different countries who are hearing them speak in their own language. Now, the disciples didn't learn a new language in the moment and just go out and start speaking it. It was the Holy Spirit at work through them, but people understood it in their language. And that's also the gift of interpretation. We see this in the church. There are those who might speak in tongues. It could be a prayer language, but there are other individuals who have the gift to interpret. When no one else can understand what's going on, or what is being said, there are individuals that God gives that revelation to and they're able to interpret and encourage the body, encourage his church. And so these are nine gifts. And I just want to tell you, Paul says all of these are the work of one and the same spirit. It's God's spirit in each one of us. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is what God has done for the church. So you can't go, oh, I want this gift or I want that gift. But God gives these gifts, but he gives them to all of us who are followers of Christ. So each one gets one and it's for the benefit of everyone. It's about us. It's about us. Now, you might be sitting watching or listening to this and looking at these words and kind of going, I'm not sure I got that gift, and that one I know I don't have, and I'm not, yeah, probably not that. And you're looking at these going, is this all there is? Like, did I miss something here? <laughs> like, is this, is, this, is this it? Like, I gotta have one of these, or am I not a follower? Well, let me just kind of put you at ease. This is just one list of the gifts, but it's not an exhaustive list that even Paul himself gives. 
In Romans chapter 12, he gives another list of seven. In Ephesians 4, he gives another list of five. And so throughout scripture, we see all these different gifts being expressed in the church. And some have compiled up to 30 different gifts that are listed that you might have. So if you're narrowing this down and going, I don't know that I have those, hold off. Because chances are you have a gift that is given by the Spirit, but you might not know what that gift is. But we have ways for you to do that, ways for you to discover But gifts are each one for everyone. If you don't get anything else, get that. Each one for everyone. Which means, like this morning, first hour, I was down here for worship. My mind was on some other things. I was sitting down here and all of a sudden the worship team started and I heard someone singing and I just, boom, I was there. It was because of the gift that God drew me into his presence. And I celebrate that. I go, oh, U.S., right? That's us. That's the body. You have people who in a Sunday school class teach and all of a sudden, or or, or a small group, and all of a sudden uh, things click for you and you're like, oh, I didn't see that in Scripture before. That's U.S. That's us. We're in this together. You see someone who is serving a person who's hurting in the community and they're praying over them at our food pantry on Monday morning and I go, that's us. That's the gift of hospitality, the gift of service. That's us. I get to be a part of that. I get to celebrate that because it's for the common good of the body. God gets revealed in each and every one of us when we use these gifts. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're probably wondering, well, I... I kind of like this Jesus, but I'm not sure I like the church. We understand. Church is not perfect. And you might be thinking, I don't see all of these gifts being used within the church. I just want to say a couple of things. First, I think you've seen it at work, but you didn't know it. I think probably you had, before you came or even were watching, you've had family members who have been in crisis, or maybe there was a death in your family, and you invited a you had to call some random pastor to do a funeral and they showed up and out of all of scripture, they used this one verse that just hit home with you and it rocked your world. And you're like, I don't know how they found that with all this scripture, they found that one. (laughs) That's a gift of knowledge, a gift of wisdom. That's God giving insight to somebody that has never met you before. But that's God at work using a gift for you. You, you might have had uh, a coworker who prayed for another coworker who was very ill and they recovered and now they're a follower of Jesus and you're like, I'm not sure if there's a connection there but you've seen people recover that weren't supposed to and you know people who prayed for them. It's a gift of healing at work. It's not a coincidence. And so you've seen glimpses of these things but didn't know what to call it. Those are the gifts that are for the body, but other people get to see it too because when those gifts are revealed, God gets the glory. And he uses this to draw people into his church, into his body. The second thing is, is the reason we don't oftentimes see these gifts at work is because oftentimes when I've seen them at their best is when the church is at its worst. The church is facing crisis. It's facing a challenge. There's something happening in our community or something happening internally that is causing people to kind of come together. I've been in boardrooms where 
you know, there's this tension that exists of, I don't know if we can move on. And then someone begins to share their faith of what God can do, and everything changes. Someone speaks a word of wisdom or knowledge, everything changes. Groups who gather together and pray fervently for somebody to be healed, and they're healed. It's in those times of crisis that we oftentimes see the church at its best, where people bring their gifts. And it's beautiful, and it's powerful. And so one of the reasons we don't see them all the time is because oftentimes we're not in those settings where it's crisis, where it's a challenge. But I can tell you from being on that side of it at times, those are when you, those are when you experience the common good and you see the body at work. And it, it really is beautiful. So challenge, call. Uh, oh, sorry, I got to go back to this. The... Uh, Each one gets a gift. Let me just talk about our character again because that's that phrase we keep using. Paul says this the very next chapter. You can have all these gifts, but if your character is not running ahead of it, they're they're not worth anything. This isn't about you. It's about we, right? He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have faith that can move mountains, he's listing all of these gifts and he's saying, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, the gift of generosity, and if I give my body over to hardship, right, the gift of service, sacrifice that I I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And so Paul reminds us again that it's not just about the gifts, it's about the character in us. And so the call for us is to discover your gifts. If you're a part of the church, you're a follower of Christ, discover your gifts. You may know what they are, but this doesn't happen overnight. It's done in community where other people get to see you at work and they go, man, I see this in you. I see this in you. When you're serving over here, this is what I I see God moving in your life. If you've never taken a spiritual gift assessment, we have one. And it's self, I mean, basically self-driven, but you can kind of go, well, I think this is it by answering some questions. Uh, That's available on our website. If you go to our main website, you'll see a a button that says series. So in the middle of our gifted series, click that. It'll take you to our spiritual gift assessment and last week's message. Uh, And it's just a tool that we use to help you to identify what might be some of those top gifts that God has given you. But then you can take that list and you can go to others and go, hey, here's, here's what happened, you know, here's what I identified as, what do you see? And am I using these gifts, am I serving in this way in the body, in the church? If not, are there ways that I can step in and serve and do something differently than what I'm doing right now that I might just not only discover but experience more of what God has gifted me with? The challenge is that it's less about us, meaning me, and it's more about we. That we can't do this because we can say, well, look where I serve, right? Because it's not about me, it's about we, it's about us. It's for the common good and the benefit of the body. There's a story uh, of Adele Gabory, I think I've got that right, a couple of years ago. uh, She was an older lady in in a neighborhood and was sick. And so the neighbors all decided that they would help out and do different things. So when her lawn got too long, someone mowed her lawn and kind of felt good about that. 
when the mail got too much in the mailbox, another neighbor collected that and, you know, kind of laid that out for her. When her pipes froze in the winter, they called the city and made sure that that was taken care of. And so they were, they were helping Adele and they all felt good about it. You know, they had this team of people who were, who were doing good things. What no one did was check on Adele. And so finally the police showed up and went inside and they found Adele's skeletal remains in her kitchen where they had been for four years. You know, sometimes as believers we think, oh, I'm going to serve the church and I'm going to do this. And we pat ourselves on the back and we're like, oh, you did good. And, uh, you know, we think that we're doing something, but we're missing the mark. You know, if we're serving and it's done just because of what we get out of it, now we get joy out of serving, don't get me wrong, but if it's for our benefit only and we do not build relationships with others and begin to recognize that God wants to do something in the body, if we're not asking the question, how can I serve you, what can I do for you, we're missing the mark. It's not about me, it's about we. And the completion, where we hope God is taking us as a church, is that you and I are exercising and experiencing the gifts that God has given us. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe it's, uh, you're in a season where you're reflecting and just kind of going, I'm not sure where my gifts are. Here's some good news. Starting tomorrow morning, we begin 21 days of prayer. Some of you have been a part of this in the past, but every morning, there is a guided time of prayer and abiding with God that we are leading. Uh, you can watch that on Zoom. Uh, if you go to our website, there's a place to click and the Zoom link is there. You can also go on our Facebook page every morning, 7 a.m., next 21 days, where there will be a guided time of prayer. This is a great opportunity for you to reflect and just listen to the Lord and maybe say, hey, Lord, where, where am I gifted? And where should I be using these gifts? It could be another area in your life where the Lord is leading you in a direction and a season for you to just be reminded of who you are in Christ and what he has called you to. So I just want to encourage you to do that. That begins tomorrow morning. But I'm not sure what your next step is. If you're feeling like you need to take those steps to discover your gifts, if God is challenging you to, to step out of your comfort zone for you and really get involved in other people's lives, or if it's beginning to exercise and experience your gift in new ways and in serving in new ways. But wherever that is, I pray that God will challenge you to take that next step. Each one for everyone. Amen? All right. Lord, we thank you that you have gifted each of us. That I imagine Paul was pretty excited to share with the church that there weren't some that were better than others, but all of us together experience your glory, your grace, your power at work through the church, and we all get to benefit from all of that. Lord, uh, I, I just pray as a recipient of others' gifts, Lord, that all of us would experience the joy of the body coming together and expressing their gifts, and Lord, that me too, that that as I experience and use my gifts, Lord, that others would benefit and that I would have the joy in knowing that you are moving in our midst. And so, Lord, uh, this week, I pray that we would reflect on this and that you would continue to call us to remember that it's, that it's not about me, it's about us. 
We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.